You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. Episode of the Pod Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast, another retro pay per view review. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by the pioneer of the I Hate James Bay fan club and a person who hates sentiment so much that he started a 90s tribute band. I am joined by Chris and Garth. How are you, friends? I'm, I'm the subject <laughs> of hating things. So I was talking, I've been talking to this girl from Tinder and. You know, just had a bit of Snapchat, take that shit to the next level. And she I, she was like, what are you doing tonight? And I was like, I'm not quite ready to tell her about the podcast. But I was like, I'm just watching the wrestling. <laughs> and she was like, oh, so I was just like, I'm just watching the wrestling, pretending it was re- current and not from 1994. And she was like, oh, you know, that's fake, right? I'm like, oh, you're cute, but I'm about, to sh- I'm about to shout at you. Did you not like, know honestly- it was fake, Chris? <laughs> no, I had no clue. I mean, fucking... You're telling me Undertaker and Undertaker is in a fucking shoot fight. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, basically, if she says she likes James Bay, I'm probably going to dump her. So. I say dump her, we're not going out. But, you know, <laughs> Mate, don't, because this could be a lead-in to your bachelor party that me and Garth aren't invited to. <laughs> this is going to be a thing every week now, isn't it? It, it 100% is, yes. Garth, how are you? Uh, good, yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh not much has been happening in my world this week. I'm just uh, <laughs> really fucking tired. <laughs> it's like, not much happened. Not much, ha- much happened. Oh, um, did I tell you, my mum doesn't like Newcastle. She told me how fucking um, violent it is and how angry everyone is from there. And I was like, well, you haven't met Gaff. Eh? It's yeah. like the opposite. It's like the nicest place. And there's only a stab in There's only a think... every couple of weeks. I <laughs> I think with C's, it's a case of everyone who isn't from there think like you, everyone from, who's not from who never goes to Glasgow seems to think Glasgow is an awful place, but Glasgow's great. So, Garth, just speaking on the case of being violent, didn't you try and start a Twitter fight with Finn Balor? You know, <laughs> being fair, Rob, we we me and you drank a bit too much and start and we started. That is true. We did. We did. <laughs> we did. Inst- like you loaded, you loaded. It's the first night I ever tried Newcastle Brown, and. <sighs> I drank a bit too much. Of the gods. <laughs> it, Spe- is, it is for best beer. So. Speaking of drinks, lads, what are we drinking today, Chris? Vodka. Vodka? Garth? <sighs> Water. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? Is this what happens when you get older? He's just playing to his gimmick. I'm honestly like, if I drank some beer, I would probably fall asleep. Garth, do you have one of those little boxes with the days of the week on it to put your pills in? Um, <laughs> not yet, but <laughs> not oh, the, order, the order comes tomorrow, does it? <laughs> I'm drinking beer, guys. I'm drinking beer and Moretti, and it is fucking sweet. Beer as... Moretti? What the fuck is that? Beer and, beer and Moretti. It's Italian. <laughs> it's the highest of class. I've probably pronounced it wrong, but I don't care. It's absolutely gorgeous. Now, you tell him. 
You're telling me Newcastle Brown is the highest of class? Well, <laughs> I mean, Newcastle Brown Ale is the kind of beer you drink before you start a fight. Whereas <laughs> this is the sort of beer you you know you drink before you rob a train. Okay, there's, we'll there's just pizza. different. Oh, but I'll have a pizza, eat pasta, that sort of thing. Um, anyway, irrelevant of all of that, we are here to do a retro pay-per-view review. We are half an hour late in recording. Would everyone like to know why we are half an hour late recording? Because even you two don't know this, do you? Nope. No. Basically, I have been round to my girlfriend's mum and dad's to have fish and chips. It was very nice. And I ha- we've come home, obviously. That's why I'm able to record. And I did a poo that smelled that badly in the toilet that I've had to light a candle and open a window. It's currently closed off with the fan going like a quarantine zone. It is the worst thing I have ever smelled in my life. Now, I can't decide whether it was the fish and chips or the deli meat sandwich that I had for lunch. Oh, the deli meat sandwich, definitely the deli meat sandwich. Do we think that's what it is? I I imagine that's what it is. I don't think it would be enough time for the fish and chips to pass. So hang on. This deli meat is it just is that what it's called? No, no, I made it myself. Basically, I I've oh been... you made the meat yourself. Hang on, what? <laughs> you raise a pig. It basically my my home abattoir. Um, what? Ba- I've been home alone basically today, and I decided to make myself a sandwich. And you know, as you do, because I'm a man and I can't be asked to cook, so I made myself a sandwich, uh, which had salami, some lovely parma ham, and some edam cheese. It was absolutely gorgeous, uh, but obviously. You know, oh, and chorizo as well. Basically, all the meat, all the meat you can get in a packet. Put it all in there. Three round sandwiches. Nom 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 nom. But obviously, my body's gone. The fuck is this? And obviously, I've passed what can only be described as the world's smelliest shit. And I challenge anyone to beat that. <laughs> it's like it's like in South Park. Bono's the biggest. <laughs> And to be fair, is it fair to say as that as men, left to our own devices, we would just not eat? I would just eat fish finger sandwiches. No, oh. that's the thing. My ex used to hate me because whenever I, I, I happened to be home alone, I just wouldn't eat, and she'd get worried. <laughs> I think I think it is a lazy thing. If a, if it requires anything more than putting milk on it, I'm not going <laughs> to eat it. So <laughs> if it's if it's not cereal or a cup of tea, I ain't drinking it or eating it. No, I. I used to get into I used to get into fights with her because she was like I, I she was like have you eaten today I'm like well I had coconut milk and she's like well that's not food I'm like well it comes from food and that was your on. argument it comes from food coconut milk comes from a food Garth tell him <sighs> <laughs> right before we spiral completely out of control even though I feel oh, before, we probably we already go have the spiral. Um, on the candle thing, last time I lit a candle, my hair almost caught fire. So you have got a lot of hair. Your hair's grown a lot recently. Well, not recent. Well, you say that, but I haven't had it cut in like two and a half years at this point. So actually, hang on, no, three years, three years. Neither of us got cut. <laughs> <laughs> I don't suffer the same problems. <laughs> you live your gimmick of old man, don't you, Garth? You really oh, do. Yeah. It's not a gimme. <laughs> it's a weird life. <laughs> oh, amazing. I am um, not today. I haven't I've got my incredible hook um socks on instead. Incredible. Incredible. Well, 
I think this might be the worst introduction we've ever done to a podcast. Or is it the best introduction? To be fair, some of the intros I've done. Yeah, yeah, I've been privy to some of your introductions. They were terrible. But I think this and might be you, worse. Hold on, you edit the podcast. How are you not privy to all of them? I, I, sometimes, I, I'll be honest, Chris, I don't even listen. <laughs> Recording is bad enough. Is it because I keep insulting you at the beginning? Yeah, it is a little bit. I'm, I get a little bit offended, which is what forces me to eat deli meat. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, was this a cry for help, was it? It was. Sat <laughs> on my own in a corner eating deli meat. Um, you know, some drink bleach, some damn vodka. I lead to a vodka in five minutes. That's my personal favourite method. Rob goes for deli meat. Okay. A deli meat-induced coma. <coughs> anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we have got a podcast to do, believe it or not. And... We are talking retro pay-per-view review once more. We did a list last week, so it is a retro pay-per-view this week. We gave you three choices to choose from last week. We had um, Starcade 1997. We had Bash. Oh, no, we didn't. What What was the other one we had? Clash of Champions. Clash of the Champions 24, which, of course, was the debut of the Shockmaster. And the eventual <laughs> winner, SummerSlam 1994. So that is what we are going to be reviewing today. So quickly, before we get into the nitty-gritty of what was going on and everything like that, Chris, what did you yeah. think of this pay-per-view? You know the smell your shit gave off earlier? Yes, I'm. I'm like very that, familiar with but it. Like, but like after the candle was lit, so there's something good there. You just have to wade through a lot of bad. Um, yeah. This this card wasn't great. It was a card of two halves, well, it, two three thirds, and two thirds of it was shit. Yeah, when you consider that Shawn Michaels was in the company and was effectively a manager, um, <laughs> it's. You know, you're not utilising your talent very well. Garth, what about you? you? I think uh, with the Shawn Michaels thing going off as, I mean, just looking at it, I don't think he was any fit state to wrestle. Was this after he got got assaulted by a varying amount of semen, depending on who you talk to? No, you're looking at 1997 for that. When he lost his smile. I'm sorry, Garth. I'm sorry, Garth. Did you just giggle at the word semen? Huh? No, <laughs> the insinuation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... The rumours are there. They are. And Shawn Michaels, it, it does seem to fluctuate the amount of men that, in, in inverted commas, beat him up. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I don't think it was this time, no. Nah. So, anyway... <laughs> good God. Um, we're looking, actually, at the 25th anniversary of this show. Uh, 29th of August, 1994, from the United Centre mm. in Chicago, Illinois. This venue opened 11 days before this show. So SummerSlam 1994 <laughs> was the first major event that took place in that venue. Now, obviously now, it is the home of the Chicago Blackhawks and the Chicago Bulls. The WWF have never been back there. <laughs> this is Probably the... because uh, they haunted the place. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. With the ghosts. Of fake Undertaker's career. <laughs> they say the ghost of fake Undertaker still walks the corridors. Um, you said you you can sometimes on a quiet winter night if you listen, you can hear. I should have went over. <laughs> <laughs> Just prime time, Brian Lee. Um, so basically, the the reason is that it's just easier to run it from 
Rosemont because you haven't got clashes with schedules with the Blackhawks and the Chicago Bulls. I just find it very interesting that this is the only show, as you know, in WWF history. They cut the venue quite a lot. They do. Like, they cut away from it during Brett and Owen. <laughs> they do. They do. Um, speaking of that, 23,000 tickets were sold, um, according to Pro Wrestling History. Um, for concerts, this venue it roughly seats 23,500. So we're looking at near enough a sellout. Well, to be fair, with a wrestling ring, it is a sellout. Yeah, you would have thought so. You would have thought so. Um, but this was in a time now where the WWF was coming under incredible scrutiny because this was the year of the steroid trial. Um, the jobber whose name completely escapes me, and that is really, really bad, but the jobber who Marty Jannetty broke their neck, um, he took them to court this year. Um, Vince was getting lambasted in all sorts of press. Um, it was it was a really really scary time for the WWF, and Lord knows because Vince McMahon was obviously on commentary here with Jerry the King Lawler. How Vince manages to com- compartmentalize the fact that he could have effectively spent eleven years in federal prison, <laughs> yet he I is mean, commentating that, on Undertaker versus Undertaker. <laughs> He, he's an old rich white guy. They don't send those people to prison. Oh, they would have done. You look at the stuff about this, you know, the, they were making an example out of him at this point. And it's wrestling. Being fair, he... So. Being fair, like, it was just Vince's bullshit catching up to him. It's never been proved. It's never been proved, and obviously the government didn't have a case, which is, you know... Listening to Bruce Pritchard talk about it, and I know that obviously that is slightly weighted in the in the corner you of Vince that podcast McMahon. that is now hosted on the WWE Network. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's slightly weighted towards Vince McMahon, but mm-hmm. they say that the government never really had anything, which is why, you know, they ended up not going after Titan Towers, because originally they wanted to repossess that. Then they decided they weren't gonna do that because they didn't they realised they couldn't. And then just little pieces of evidence started falling away and, you know, it transpired that they didn't really have much of a case, supposedly. And that's obviously why, in the end, Vince doesn't go to prison and the WWF aren't found liable. But it's it's an, it's an interesting time. A little bit of background to this pay-per-view, though. We've just come off the back of King of the Ring 1994 which is an interesting pay-per-view, to say the least. They push the new generation, absolutely push it down your throats with loads and loads of segments. This is the new generation. They even mention it as well. Yeah. Yeah. The new generation. We are the new generation. Get rid of the old. We're the new generation. It's weird. weird, It's it's put forward like the new generation happened as soon as Hogan left. This is a good year after Hogan left. Well, Hogan has... has Yes, he signed for WCW at this point. It was twenty. It was um, King of the Ring '93 was his last. Well, it was the last pay per view match. He had like a run on the house show in Europe after that. But you know, yeah. And then he would end up in WCW. In fact, I think in a month's time he would go on to battle uh, Ric Flair at Bash at the Beach for the World Heavyweight Championship. Um, but yeah, interesting. But again, during the King of the Ring, and I found this really, really interesting, King of the Ring 1994 was all promoted, the new generation. The main event was between Roddy Piper, who was 40, and Jerry the King Lawler, 
who was 44. Um, at the time, <laughs> at the time, up until AJ Styles and John Cena took part in the main event of Money in the Bank, that was the l- oldest pay-per-view main event in company history. And they were advertising the new generation. <laughs> Bizarre. Cena and... Was that even in the... That wasn't in the main event. Was that not the main event? No, it was the Money in the Bank match. It was the main event. What, the year Cena and AJ battled? 2016? Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Wait, no, no, no. That there was Roman and Seth. 2016 was Roman and Seth, and then Dean cashed in, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, because that's the other bland, uh, bland. Well, yeah, the bland split. The brand split. The bland split. <laughs> <laughs> um, this pay per view did all right though. SummerSlam had a one point three buy rate, which was the same as nineteen ninety three. Nineteen ninety three was an absolute shower of shit, which culminated obviously with Lex Luger being coronated, despite having not won the championship. Um, but crucially, it is zero point four up from the follow from the next year, nineteen ninety five. Which is... wasn't it Mabel and Diesel that year? Yes, that was the year that okay. Diesel won King of the. Uh, sorry, not Diesel. Mabel won King of the Ring. Diesel, that which King made Mabel. the Mack truck go. I fucking hate Diesel. We'll get on to Diesel. He's a very bland character. Anyway, moving on to the actual show, rather than given any sort of video package at all, we just enter on the SummerSlam graphic, and we're welcomed by Macho Man Randy Savage's music. <laughs> it's fucking now, so random. It is. You literally, there's nothing, there's no sponsorship or anything. You just cut straight into the show, straight into WWE Randy Savage. Point? Well, Domino's. Domino. <laughs> to be fair, Domino's is not known for their quality, much like WWE. So. Well, there you go. So Randy Savage comes to the ring, um, and basically introduces Vince and Jerry the King Lawler <laughs> and fucks off. Because <laughs> the thing is, he gets on the thing, he's like, uh, I better get down there and do my thing. Yes. And I was thinking, oh, I was like, because I, I hadn't seen it in a while, I was like, oh, what did what did Randy Savage do in this? Absolutely nothing. No, but I think, I'd, I'd forgotten the card going in, and I was like, oh, it must be the first match, okay. That's, that's a weird entrance, but that's fine. But no, he just fucks off. He, ev- he but, but basically presumably had to go drunk text Elizabeth. So yeah, he basically acts as a master of ceremonies. You've got Randy Savage on the card, and he acts as a master of ceremonies. Now, but to depe- it was gone yeah. in the next like month or so, so. Depending on who you believe, there are some people who staunchly say that Randy did not want to work. He does not want to wrestle. He wanted to sort of transfer his skills to commentary and backstage and you know putting younger talents over that way however there are also people who say that randy did want to work and it was vince that wanted that now just remembering that in november of this year so this pay-per-view happens in august this was his last pay-per-view appearance he taped his last televised appearances in mid-october and then he was signed with wcw by the first weekend in november and then wrestled with him for five years. Then wrestled, <laughs> quite, and became their world champion on several occasions. So and and every time Hogan fucked it up, but you know, I mean, you've got. Do you think he wanted to wrestle Garth? Do you think this was Vince, <clears throat> or do you think this was Randy? I think maybe he didn't want to wrestle for Vince, but 
if you don't want to wrestle to do the other stuff, you don't then go to WCW and wrestle. Exactly. So, yeah, it's probably like sort of six or one and half a dozen the other. Yeah, Chris, what do you think? Well, like, yes, there's a reason he went to WCW. He felt he it's well established. He felt like he was being wasted, which to be fair, he was. He like, yeah, like we didn't even have him on commentary. To be fair, he was shy on commentary, wasn't he? Like, have you ever seen WrestleMania nine? I think he was on. And he just get like it's what he wanted to put people over, wasn't it? Like, well, didn't he want to face Shawn Michaels or something at this SummerSlam? There was a two-year plan that ended up, I believe, in a hair versus hair match. I believe was the culmination. But yeah, he wanted, ultimately wanted to put Shawn over um, in this two-year thing that he pitched. So that would also lead to, you know, you assuming that he did want to wrestle. But you know, it is it's it's the company line, and you know, again. Everyone that comes out of the WWE or everything that comes out of the WWE says that Randy didn't want to wrestle anymore. He didn't want to be fucked up by the time he was 50 by taking bumps. And, you know, Randy took a lot more outrageous bumps than many at that time. So it's... Cough, cough, Hogan. Yeah, exactly. You know, Warrior, for example. So, you know, it's six and one and a half a dozen of the other. So who knows? But we then go straight to our first match, but not before there is an announcement. Now, a little bit of background to this um the opening match which was bam bam bigelow and irs representing uh the million dollar corporation were taking on the head shrinkers now that was originally for the wwf tag team championships however the night before in indiana Shawn michaels and diesel took the belts from the head shrinkers for no reason i actually just i went out my way to ask you guys what the fuck was going on because i was like why what is the point well apparently they then appeared on daytime television the following day on regis and kathy lee with the belts now if you believe sean sean says that it was vince's idea because he wanted to keep sean relevant and diesel relevant once diesel dropped the title spoiler to razor ramon later on in the show it was a way of keeping those relevant everybody else assumes it's a click power play well that's the thing you can keep them relevant by having them win the belt after SummerSlam, like on raw or something like because we did because like they're always looking for reasons to get people into raw so like a title change would do that I mean, like, it's better than changing it on that. There's literally no logical way to do this unless you're Shawn Michaels. Well, especially as the Million Dollar Corporation. Now, like them or hate them, you know, it was a very... You either really liked it or you really found it extremely boring. Unfortunately, I was, you know, part of the latter group. But this entire pay-per-view was basically trying to put over the Million Dollar Corporation. And the idea of this match was to give the tag team titles to the Million Dollar Corporation to give them that little bit of leverage going into the later match in the show. However, instead of that, we had a non-title match with the titles not being defended at all, leaving this match as a little bit of a... What the fuck was... Yeah, what on earth was the fucking point in this? So, Chris, what did you think of this match? It's me. I was actually enjoying it, like, because I knew I was trying not to let the Shawn Michaels power play play into my perception of the match. I was actually quite enjoying it up until the ending, like, because Bam Bam's great, IRS is good. Um, um, like, IRS with a white person can have a really good match. Um, and the head shrinkers are just 
hard as fuck, so we'll just take headbutts and shit. So I was, I was having an, I was enjoying it. Apart from it was basically like what old timers complain about now is a sequence of moves with no real point to them. Which yeah. like was more of a case in the match later on. But like I'm, I'm not. I, I'm fine with a series of moves um, with not, not much point to them. I do enjoy Lucha Underground, but at the same time, it needs to be good moves. And like with the exception of Bam Bam, who's just impressive how big he is, we were just sort of basic moves. Yeah, so. you, you got the splashes from the head shrinkers. You got, apart from that, you got IRS locking in a series of headlocks. I mean, fair play to him for wrestling in slacks and uh, suspenders, you know, apps, well, bridges, mm. you know, absolutely fair play to him. But it, it did lack that drama. And I think it was drama that, you know, having the ma- the titles on the line probably would have provided. Garth, what about you? I mean, <clears throat> it was a fun tag match. It was all right. I mean, the fact that there was nothing on the line kind of sort of hurt it. Um, it was good to see Ted DiBiase out there, though, um, and Lou Albano as well. Um, oh, Captain just... Lou. Mad Captain Lou. <laughs> um, better, better, so... better, better, better. Apart from that bump that he takes. Yeah, that, that was atrocious. <laughs> it's like he just my... hangs onto the rope and slowly lowers himself down. I feel if my dad gave up all sense of personal grooming, he'd look like Captain Lou Albano and wore all of his shirts, like, open. <laughs> no, no, it... <laughs> Here's the thing. My dad is like looks like a tramp. He like he has sh- he just wears shorts all the time, and like will wear the same shirt like for three days. But because he's sleeping half the day, doesn't they don't really get dirty? <laughs> Sounds like the ideal uh, the ideal life. Well, he's sixty five, so fair play to him. Fair play to <laughs> yeah. him. Um, but I it was good. What was good? I, I really enjoyed the sort of double face slam. Oh, the the double did. Yeah, and then the the the, 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 the move that obviously the Usos sort of yeah, the, took off from the, the splash. Only, believe it or not, it was only at that point where it clicked. It's like, oh fuck, that's for Yeah. Because <laughs> they re- have their fucking hair in front of their face half the time. So they yeah. can't tell who's there. But uh, like you say, the, the ending was fucking stupid. Like, obviously, De- Ted DiBiase is doing his thing. Afa comes in. The ref's like, uh, you should be in here. Ring the bell. <laughs> of all the and things, then they go backstage. Yeah. yeah, of all the things to get this match thrown out, it was Afa entering the ring. Um, and then, yeah, we then get the slowest brawl backstage with IRS physically just walking at one point. Not brawling, physically just walking yeah. backstage. He was like, fuck this shit, I'm gone. Captain Urbano is 125 years old and can move faster than I arrested back to the... Exactly. Exactly. And you look at that bump he took, and he can still move quicker than IRS. Um, now well, Dave... he's trying to outrun death at that point, so... True. Dave Meltzer gave this a dud. Um, <laughs> I think it's that's really... slightly unfair. I enjoyed this bad. up until... The... No, the shitty finish made this below average for me. But like until then, it was like a fine. It was like a five, maybe six out of ten house show match. But then they did that shitty finish and they put it down to a three. I gave it a five. I got five, so it was split. Yeah, let's go four. I'm, I'm fine with four because like when I look at stuff, I'm giving five on this show. It's all like it didn't quite reach that. So yeah, that is true. That but is I love true. Bam Bam. I really hope we do something good with Bam Bam in the future. They don't. 
<laughs> no, I mean like we watch something with Bam Bam being good. In so the ECW. Basic- no, I was about to say, basically ECW and New Japan is basically our only options at that point. Yeah, because he did, they did fuck all with him in the WWF and they did fuck all and with him in the WCW. The... No, exactly. So it is. That's, that's quite depressing, actually. It is. It is a little bit. Because he's great. He's, he's not like top 10 big men. But like for someone his size, like the headbutt or even the moonsault he does is great. Oh, he missed the headbutt in this match. Fucking hell. Just <laughs> Yeah, Jesus. I'm not surprised that people don't do it anymore. Because honestly, it's well, yeah. slamming into the mat. Jesus. To be Christ. fair, I, when it comes to the headbutt, Bam Bam isn't the biggest problem. No, the biggest exponent of it. We then... Yeah, but his, uh, Harley Race actually regrets inventing that move. He's come out in interviews and said this, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah, he did. He did before he died. But you know. Yeah. True. We then cut to one of several. The first of several. <laughs> hilarious. <sighs> hilarious skits of Leslie Nielsen, obviously famous for, you know, things like Airplane and uh, Police Squad and the Naked Gun films, on the search for The Undertaker. This... I I actually, quickly, I have in my notes, who's this? Well, if you watch Naked Gun, it has a um, convicted murderer in it, so a very famous convicted murderer. I I think all of our picks for next time has a convicted murderer in it so <laughs> yeah true um i had no time for this at all it was it was nah. prop comedy um you know you'd got people standing on a case and you know you're on the case and it was oh my god and then there was a man in the case closed oh it was it was prop comedy cheesy prop comedy at its worst it's the sort of thing that our truth used to do before he became over again with the twenty four seven title. It was, it was, it was cringeworthy. It, it it's ha- the difference between Mister Bean and Carrot Top. Yeah. Oh God, Carrot fucking Top. It just, it just made no <laughs> sense to add this into the show because what's the point in searching for the Undertaker when you know that at the end of the show he's going to be in the fucking arena anyway? Imagine if he wasn't. Yes, no showed it. Sorry, no, no, no main event. <laughs> we, just, we just brought in someone else who vaguely looks like a shorter Undertaker. <laughs> um, thankfully, this was short-lived, and we we aren't blessed with them throughout the show. Thank Christ. Instead, we went to possibly the second. Well, not even possibly, definitely the second best match on the card, which was the WWF Women's Championship match between the current champion. Alundra Blaze and Bull Nakano. Now, this championship had been defunct since 1990, and it had been bought back earlier in 1994. Uh, Alundra Blaze defunct not long after. Exactly when she then goes to WCW and throws it in the now, did, bin. Didn't they release the entirety of the women's division later this year? What women's division? <laughs> no, I was about, it's basically all Japan, the all Japan um, women's wrestling roster. I don't think they were ever officially signed to the WWF because I think Alundra, Alundra was. I think Alundra was. Well, how, yes. how, how long was it before Alundra went and dumped the title in the bin? That was ninety five or ninety six. I think. <laughs> um, um, it was pre. Uh, it was like a year before the NWO. It was like ninety five. I remember it was from the OSWR, basically. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, basically, Luna Vachon was brought in to challenge Blaze originally. Uh, she kept getting bested, obviously, because it's a Lundra Blaze. So the storyline then saw Vachon bring in Bull Meccano, um to gain revenge, challenge Blaze. She made history in this pay-per-view, Bull Meccano. She became the first Japanese-born wrestler, because Yokozuna is not Japanese. <laughs> well, um, wait, isn't he? Kayfabe, mate. Kayfabe. Sorry. I mean, in, in my OSW, in my Fire Pro Wrestling promotion mode, he's under the free agents in Japan, so, like, someone's lying to me. Shit. Sorry, Chris. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but she became the first Japanese-born wrestler to challenge for a WWF title on a WWF pay-per-view. The next person... Chris, who do you think it would be? Um, fuck. I forget his name, but, like, the dude who beat Brett on a random in your house. Akishi. There we go. Oh, the guy who... <laughs> Hakushi. Ha- oh, Hakushi. Hakushi. Nope. There we go. Nope, it's not no. Hakushi. Nope. Um, uh, Is it Andrew Kong? Nope. Oh. I'm not, I'm, did Andrew Kong fight for WWF? Let's put it this Mr. way, Chris. Mr. Fuji. <laughs> the Californian native. Um, <laughs> Chris, let's put it this way. There's a reason I've asked you. Oh, Christ. I'm going to feel stupid now. You are, yes. Correct. Is, is this someone still currently wrestling? Yeah. Is this somebody is... in New Japan? Yeah. Is this somebody who is fucking terrifying? Oh, no. it is Takamishinoku. It is yes. <laughs> the next person to compete for a WWF championship who was Japanese-born was Takamichinoku at the end of 1997 on the D-Generation X pay-per-view where he'd win the Light Heavyweight Championship. For three years... <laughs> Three years in between that. But yes, Bull Nakano, the first person. This match was um, great, Chris. This match was good, but also, very quickly, can I bring mention to... I like he jumped straight to me. It's like the Japanese and Joshi fan. Um, but Lola was insufferable during this match. Oh, he's fucking t- dreadful, wasn't it? Every time he, a, a woman is on screen, he's insufferable. And it's weird, because like, we know about Lola, and we know that Bull Nakano is older than his normal type. But yeah. I feel bad for making that joke. That that's gonna have to be cut, isn't it? Hang on, everyone. Pause. Don't cut. Don't cut that. <laughs> Don't cut that. But anyway, no. Um, but, Lisa but, didn't mention. Lisa didn't mention um, Macho Man and Steph earlier. That is true. That is true. It took all my might not to. But <laughs> basically. Do you want Lola to be mad at us or Vince to be mad at us? Oh, is basically God. the question you're asking. Fucking bring it on from both of them. <laughs> you little bitches. But... <laughs> yeah, this match was... This is probably the second objectively best match on the card. Um, honestly, given more time, I think this could have been something awesome. But obviously, sort of going through the motions because we were only given eight minutes. The speed of Andre Blaze moves is impressive, especially for the time. <clears throat> you can tell she's worked in Japan. No, exactly, because if you watch um, Stardom, half the appeal is how f- it's basically New Japan in Fast Forward. So, Yeah, I mean, these two USA showed... Chance, and they can fuck off. Oh, fucking, that was... I've got that on my notes, just unsufferable. Just quickly, neither woman from the USA. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> again, which Wait, they where's always the from? Uh, she was originally born in Italy. Re- what, really? I didn't know that. Okay, cool. <laughs> You learn something all the time on this podcast, Chris. I know, right? 
I know. Um, yeah, this match was great. Again, Alundra Blaze worked at a real pace. She worked as the underdog throughout this pretty much this entire match with um, Bull Nakano dominating. Uh, she misses a leg drop, and that eventually proves the opening for the German suplex. That came from nowhere. The finish no, to this match. Impressive. It was it's incredibly she impressive. Missed, she like she missed the leg drop and then just boom straight into the like it. It's one of like two matches on the whole card that felt like a fight. Mm. Like felt like someone going for uh, going for the win as opposed to fucking about to get over. Yeah, yeah. Um, like again, both I start. I love drop kicks, which is sort of a um staple of Joshi, from what I understand. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but that's thing. This is the closest to a mod match. Like this could be a mod match on Raw, and people went, would go, "Yeah, that's a good match to be on Raw." Um, like a pop up power bomb counted into a Frankenstein. That's just a common modern day spot. So, but at the time, it was massive. Quite, was quite a rare thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And they had, um, I forget what it's called, but Paige used to use it as well back in NXT. That um, submission that Bonacano did. That was so good, like the stretch. The P- yeah, exactly. The- PTO? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that. The, yeah, that. Page Turner. The Page Turner. No, it wasn't the Page Turner because that's the move. I'm talking about the submission. Oh, okay. Rampage? Um, No, that's the DDT <laughs> thing. It was the something, it was the something, something lock that um, William Regal shouted back at WWE Arrival. A review that never happened and probably never will. But, <laughs> thanks, Rob. It's all right, mate. <laughs> But yeah, like a roll-up, that was a great spot. And if it was done faster, it definitely bumped it up a whole mark. Was the um, roll-up kicked into an arm, kicked out into an armbar? Yeah, that was great. But again, Chris, you look at this match, mm. and you look at the moves. You know, you mentioned the power bomb counted into a Frankenstein. You mentioned the kick out into an armbar. And yeah, nowadays that's that's almost commonplace. No, but exactly, but I wasn't look... expecting it on this show. No, I'm no, I'm not saying that. What I'm going to say is, you look at that in 1994, and then look where we progressed to in 2007, where we got women cleaning cars in their bikinis. No, that's the thing. Wrestling, um, women's wrestling in the US wasn't this good in WWE until 21 years after this, when they started calling up Sasha and Bailey. Exactly. And to go from nine, basically 1994 to then to go 2004. to... Yeah, exactly. I mean, with the exception of people Candace like Lita Michelle. and Trish. Exactly. Candice, Michelle, Kelly, Kelly. Um, it's ba- basically... It makes Christy Hemi. De- in 2004, and I'm sure we'll get onto this next time at some point on two out three of our shows, um, but we have selected the link. 2004 Divas Division might as well have been... Divas, get your tits out for the lads. That may as well have been their motto. That was, that's what it was. It was an over-sexualised <laughs> product to appeal to adolescents. You want no, tits? Exactly. We've got them. And, and when I was 10, it did definitely give me confusing feelings. But nowadays, I'm looking for something more. More than tits, <laughs> idiot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> overall... I also want Astrob. <laughs> overall, a good match. A really good match. Far, far ahead of its time. Could have been a bit quicker. I think you're right, Chris. I think you did suffer from a lack of time invested in the match. I gave like it... We didn't have time to stop. No. I gave it seven. Yep. So. Uh, I gave it six, but I think that's just because I was... Like, 
this is the one time this happened on the whole show. I try not to let modern wrestling get into this, but I'm in a stardom kick right now, now that the G1's finished, so I, think I can catch up. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I could be watching Momo versus B Priestley right now. But instead, you have Todd Pettengill talking to <laughs> Diesel and Sean. Now, what a segue. <sighs> Jesus. Diesel and Sean off their fucking trees. No, that's the thing. Sean Michaels claims, um, like when he failed the drug test, someone put it was in his pancakes or something. <laughs> like literally, that's what he claimed. If you want, it was his. Um, I know Garth doesn't watch it because overexposure to Sean Michaels for Garth brings him out in hives. But um, it was on his DVD, like Triumph and Heartbreak. I think. I think it was like a dual release of his book, and he was. And he claims. And like, and this is after he became Christian, and of course Christians can't lie. Um, and he was like, "Oh, it was like steroids in my cake or something." Bullshit. Yeah, one hundred percent bullshit. Because it was both of them. Both of them looked hammered. The way that Sean was stroking Pettengill as he was trying to do this interview. I mean, don't get me wrong. Todd Pettengill is a black hole of charisma. He's the worst thing in the world. He's shit. But to then have it's funny about. I'm pretty sure that's the early comments when I took over the young lion. <laughs> and they were just from us. Um, <laughs> I mean, you've got Diesel yelling this promo that was disjointed and made no sense. And then you've got Sean, who, yeah, he was overacting. Yes, he's this smarmy twat. That's his character. But you can just tell he wasn't there. Not properly. That's kind of why I loved it, though. Like, he didn't... He was like, I'm not in the match. Well, fucking... Let's fucking yeah. get high. It was a fucking car crash of a segment. A real It's like Kendrick Lamar on in the background, despite the fact that it's 20 years before Kendrick Lamar was even a thing. But, you know. Ultimately, what did we get from this pro- this segment? Uh, I'm trying to look for my... Here we go. Um, they're champions for some reason. Nash clearly doesn't care, and I love it. Who is Walter Payton? Well... Walter Payton, believe it or not, why he was involved, I've got no idea. Basically, it was to counteract Shawn Michaels. This segues nicely into the next match, which was for the WWF Intercontinental Championship. Diesel, the current Intercontinental Champion, taking on the massively over Razor Ramon, despite his character being called the bad guy. The crowd (laughs) absolutely fucking loved him. A young Billy Eilish takes notes. (laughs) I fucking absolutely love Razor Ramon at this point. Incredible. Well, t- how old were you at this point, Gaff? Uh, probably about 13. <laughs> but you can do that. But how old were you actually, Rob, at this point? Me? Four. Yeah. Four? Oh, yes. I wasn't even a sperm at this point. <laughs> well, that's a lovely thing to think about. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, looking back from WrestleMania 10, which you can look at our review on www.podmania.co.uk. Um, we're going to review that show at some point, right? We, we already have like, done Actually. We've already done, done it. it. Oh. oh, so we're never going to be... Act- so I'm never going to have to watch, like, the better Owen vs. Brett match. That's good. Yeah, exactly. Um, Razor- I mean, you can still watch it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would. I have. Um, Razor have been feuding with Shawn Michaels for ages and ages and ages over the Intercontinental Championship. Um, he then dropped the belt to Diesel... Shawn Michaels keeps getting involved, so therefore Razor Ramon says he is going to have a special corner man, and that is Walter Jerry Payton, the American football running back. Now, at the time, he was massive. He was a big thing. Really, really, really big player. Played for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, we're in Chicago. 
Um, and yeah, this match was nowhere near as good as it should have been. No, I, I remember seeing this on the, like when we first suggested this, and it's, it's the one match I could remember going in um, that wasn't one of the main events. And I was like, that has to be good. Like, isn't this the only time like we ever actually wrestled? And I'm like, the click only ever chose to have good matches with each other. So this has to be good. But no, this was a house show match. Like, the definition of a house show match. Neither man took, like, any bumps. They, di- they threatened to take bumps, and then they didn't. And then it they won by some bullshit thing, so no one really won. Like, it was weird. It's like the click were wrestling someone who won from the click. Garth, what did also, you think? I mean, <clears throat> it was all right, but Diesel's just dreadful. Like, how this guy made such was at the top for so long other than like the politics as wrestling was absolutely diabolically shit like I'm not even joking like one of the worst performers like Razor carried him in this match like Razor bumped like a motherfucker Kevin is much better in a backstage role especially in TNA like as as the enforcer as he was and as the sort of big guy in like the NW and stuff he was fine because he didn't actually have to do a lot but when he's in a match like this, it just shows you is, is just how incredibly slow and cumbersome he is. Great power um, Oh, a good power bomb. I, mean, I mean, he does those elbows that are sort of his signature elbow in the corner. Um, I mean, it was it was all right. Like I say, Razor was just over like a motherfucker at this point anyway, so the crowd were all in on it. Um, I did like when they did the... Um, honestly... They did this, and I thought, it's been so long since I've seen it, and it's the um, exposed turnbuckle. You never see it anymore? You do, like in every Toriyana match. but what? Right, okay, but <laughs> in, in mainstream wrestling. No, that's the thing. The, the whole match was basically them trying to throw each other into the thing, and then that mm-hmm. never happening. And the best bit is when Hebner like, jumps in the way of it. <laughs> He's like, no. No, and then he just does it anyway. Like, I will not let any of my matches end in a controversial manner until 1997. Let's not talk about that. But I love that uh, when in any sort of match where they'll have the submission move and they grab the rope and that makes it like 10 times worse. (laughs) Yeah, instantly more pressure added. (laughs) I I like how at one point um, Razor was on the um, turnbuckle and Shonda started pulling his hair. For no discernible reason. Because he's fucking what? up his bonds. No, that's thing. Did you notice the um, comedy bump Shawn Michaels took later in the match when he got knocked off the apron? I was yeah. just going to mention this. When he just, he pogos off the apron, onto the floor, onto the barricade, and back onto the floor again. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's almost like I was watching SummerSlam 2005. <laughs> Incredible bumping. Um, I mean... <laughs> The whole point of Sweetness, because that's apparently his nickname, was to keep Shawn Michaels at bay, was to keep Shawn Michaels from interfering. He did fuck all. He stood there. Even when Shawn Michaels was interfering, he'd walk sort of towards him and then walk back. Shawn (laughs) clearly was not interested in this match at all. And to be honest, neither was Diesel. Neither man got the finishing move off and it ended with a roll-up. So, you know, Shawn Michaels entered the ring... Goes to hit Razor with the sweet chair music, misses, hits Diesel, and then runs away. Um, <laughs> Diesel covers, sorry, Razor covers after the longest 
longest time between finishing move and pinfall. It was almost a joke how long that was. <laughs> um, and then Diesel basically chases Sean off, and that would then continue because following this now, um, Sean would again super kick Diesel by accident because Sean apparently is a bell end, and this would happen in Survivor Series 1994. Um, Diesel would then turn on Michaels and would sort of cement that face turn. They'd vacate the tag team championships at this point. Three days after Survivor Series 94, Bob Backlund put Diesel over, and that is where Diesel won the World Championship in a match that lasted eight seconds. Sean then feuded with him, and that was then the WrestleMania 11 match. Wasn't the main event. No, 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 because the WWE Championship shouldn't be the main event. No, 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 no. We're going to put Bam Bam Bigelow against an NFL player as the main event of that WrestleMania. Lawrence Taylor. Just... Utter chaos, this match. Just an absolute mindfuck. You're absolutely right, Chris. You think click against click. Look at the Razor Ramon versus 1-2-3 kid matches. Brilliant. No, exactly. Look at Sean versus... Basically, actually, basically, look at any click member against any click member who isn't Kevin Nash. <laughs> but then Diesel can have good matches. Diesel's match oh, against yeah, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 11 is a decent match. Apart from when Sean decides not to go up for the powerball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As a little no, bit Diesel- of a fuck you. I, it was like Survivor Series 95 or something. His match with Brett, that was great. Just, it should have been better. And I, I said this at the start of the segment, it should have been better than it was. And it wasn't. Kevin Nash versus the entirety of the X Division when he stopped caring, that was great. Just utter shit. I gave it five. Hi, you won the... See, I gave it five, but like, I was, I'm thinking about it now, but there's no match in this match. Like and I've that's something well, that's something I heavily criticised Corbin versus Seth for earlier in the year, and like I, I'm inclined to give it a lower rating just because there's nothing. You're right like, in the match as it's actually you know looking at it in a nutshell, there are no moves to speak of. It's a lot of rest holds. It's a lot of running into corners and hitting moves in the corners. Those Nash elbows that you were talking about. But there wasn't anything... I mean, I don't know about you, but my notes for this match, I don't have any moves, really, at all. And most of them are about Sean dicking about on the outside. No, like, what I have is basically... Um, the fuck is up with Diesel's theme? Because I remember it being bluesy. <laughs> but it's not. It was just the fucking... Um, <laughs> oh, that's terrible. That was yeah. sort of the one where he started coming in. The, that was the Kevin Nash, wasn't it? The blues one. Uh, yeah, and then there's like um, most of the match that um, starts with stalling and like Razor does something. Oh, that, that's actually the one cool spot where Razor sort of does the um, slide to the outside and pulls Nash into the post. That was actually yeah. a pretty cool spot. So yeah, I'll agree with five for that spot alone. Okay. Okay, so five. Yeah, fair enough. But I just I feel like if you've got an Intercontinental Championship match that does contain exactly. Razor Ramon, you know, who is, you know, he has a five-star Meltzer match under his belt at this point, and this was the next match? No, no, not at all. Um, Do you think Razor Ramon killed this like Scott Hall killed that random person about five, six years before this? I'm going to have to cut that as well now. For fuck's sake, stop saying shit. (laughs) We then cut to Black Hole of Charisma again because it's Todd Pettengill time, guys. I thought you were yeah, talking about Luger. This segment was brilliant. 
basically, for those who don't know about this segment, we're backstage and Todd Pengill has got a very, very put-out Lex Luger and a very, very angry Tatanka. This is all stemming from Tatanka saying that Lex Luger has sold out and has joined the Million Dollar Corporation. Now, for a start, who the fuck cares? Tatanka says that he has got evidence and he cuts to a load of load of circumstantial evidence to show that Lex has met up with Ted DiBiase. Now, <laughs> my favourite bit of this was Tatanka had said, we're going to have a match to prove that you've joined the Million Dollar Corporation. So if Tatanka wins, Lex did sell out. Yep, yep. And if Lex Luger but wins... But Tatanka did win and Lex... And- Tatanka did win, and Lex didn't sell out. <laughs> so the entire premise of this match was utter bollocks. You know what Native American tribes were massive into back in the day? Was statistics. <laughs> Especially when they ask the fans. Oh, that's incredible. We have... <laughs> this is amazing. They pull up a graphic because they've asked fans, has Lex Luger sold out? 54% of fans voted yes, which I was like, mm, what? Um, but then as he's coming to, ri- to the ring after he's cut just the most boring Lex Luger promo in the world whilst trying to look intense, which makes it worse, um, and after obviously Tatanka stumbled over his words four or five times, Lex comes to the ring and Jerry King, Jerry the King Lawler says, oh, you can hear the pop from those 46% of the fans that don't think he's sold out. <laughs> Oh, incredible. I just love the bit where he says, um, what is it? Um, we've got pictures from Ted DiBiase going into your dressing room today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and like, that, pro- that proves nothing other than they're in a relationship. That, that's all that proves. And like, um, what is it? Uh, Tank is like, what's in the bag, huh? That's a second uh, steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Vince is really like, was- shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> um. He did change the subject very quickly now that I think about it. He did. He did. Now, this match was shit. This match was oh, awful. Absolutely. Like, but, but, you know, again, it's like um, how people complain about like halftime heat or something, or like any Chikara match is just a series of moves. But then this is a series of really shit moves. Well, Old timers don't I, have I a think, leg to um, stand on. When Lex was at wrestling school for the day, he must, <laughs> have, the been day. At the to- he must have been at the toilet when they taught about selling. Yep. Lex is like a 10-year veteran at this he point. He doesn't fucking sell. No, he doesn't <laughs> at all. And when you think that the main point of this match was Tatanka getting to the top rope and everyone going, oh, and they just jumped down and punched Lex Luger. And it was like, are you kidding me? That's, that's, that's it. That, that's ridiculous. So we get to six minutes into this match and Ted DiBiase is back at ringside now with the bag presumably of steroids, um, <laughs> at ringside. Um, and, you know, he's trying to make Lex Luger sell out. He's tempting him with money. And he puts him off, and Tatanka wins with a roll-up. <laughs> so it turns out that Lex Luger must have joined the Million Double Corporation because that was the stipulation of the match. <laughs> Am I right? You lose. Exactly. Exactly. You lose, you're part of the Million Dollar Corporation. To be completely fair, the tanker needed the money to start up his casino. Nice. So. <laughs> what followed then? To be fair as well, I think this did genuinely swerve the fans. Yeah. It was a Russo swerve, though. It was like a swerve that served no I purpose. I think at the time, I might have been like, what are you doing? What, what's going on? 
No, it, it was a swerve for the purposes of just a swerve. That's literally the only reason for this swerve. It was also, bizarre. Also, the beatdown that happened went down for like went down. Ha- ha- it happened for like five minutes more than it had to. That, that's my next coincident- note. I've got coincident- that written as well. Which coincidentally is the name of um, Rob's sex tape, but you know. <laughs> The beatdown was appalling. It was five. Uh, was it four Samoan drops and then a load of kicks? But then yeah, he kept no, going back for more. It was more. a Roman Reigns match. You can completely tell it was like, guys, quick, fill some time. Oh, just it was the worst you know, we, heel turn. You know what we needed more of on this show was stalling. We did. No. We did. And Tatanka's heel turn didn't really make a lot of sense, really. Because it's because it's Tatanka. <laughs> Um, Tell you what, though, it's it's like how Native Americans are always the bad guys in cowboy movies. Yeah, pretty much. You know what I love at the start of this match, though, is Finn's going, will we see a scientific matchup? No. Tanker and Lex Like, I understand saying that at the beginning of Brett and Owen, but Brett and Owen is like, this isn't going to be scientific at all. I'm like, they're hearts. Unless your name is Teddy, it's going to be scientific. Exactly. <laughs> After this match, um, led backstage to Tanker's yelling some bollocks into the camera. Um, Monsoon is on the hotline. Yeah, Monsoon is on the hotline, which... Uh, ima- imagine, like, right. get rid of the old man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, Just put him on the phone. Imagine if, like, so, like, you'd call the hotline and you get to talk to a wrestler, right? Imagine if your family allowed you to do it and you got to Tanker or Virgil. <laughs> Or like some jobber, like you got Max Moon or some shit. <laughs> you got Ludwig Borger. <laughs> no, you got Quang or fucking who else was around? Imagine if you, like Americans can't understand the British Bulldog. Imagine if you get the British Bulldog and say, "Oh yeah, yeah, fucking <laughs> no ball in this British Bulldog." Yeah. Why fucking... would he sound like that? <laughs> All right, I can't do impressions. Okay, I've given it away. Really. Like, Really? You can't do impressions? Fuck me. I'm a me. Scottish person who can't do a Scottish accent, so... Anyway, as far as the uh, as the Million Dollar Corporation goes, uh, Ted DiBiase continued to manage it. He eventually left in 996 and would eventually go on to be the, in inverted commas, financier of the NWO and WCW. None of the wrestlers during this time won a championship under his management. <laughs> what the Too fuck bad, was the like point it. in this? It's like how Mr. Fuji kept trading down. True. True. It's like if you traded Blue Eyes White Dragon for Kariba. I just I don't understand it. I mean Tatanka and Luger continued to feud until they faced each other at nineteen ninety four Survivor Series and Bigelow was fired. So <laughs> from the stable, not what, from the company. What, what ratings are we giving this? Three. I'm happy with that. I, I've got four, but yeah. <laughs> Because I'm pretty sure you've rated some everything one higher than everyone else. I think it might just be because it had a um, million dollar man in. <laughs> he does make everything better. He does make everything better. But just for me, if you have got a heel turn, which at the time, looking at the time now, you've got Tatanka who's super, super babyface. You know, he's, you know, not beloved by fans because it's fucking Tatanka, but, you know, he's, <laughs> he's super babyface. So to have this heel turn is, as Garth mentioned, quite, you know, fucking hell. Tatanka's heel. Um, but even that was boring. The <laughs> beatdown of Lex Luger was made boring because Lex Luger and Tatanka are fucking dull. It's like, Lex, Lex, Lex Luger's um, idea of selling is going, ah, ah. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. yeah. It is. It was, it was the... 
it's one of the most luckily boring the matches I've ever seen. Luckily, the selling is someone's girlfriend trying to pretend they're enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> um, Moving on. Jeff Jarrett and Mabel next. Um, I popped when I saw Jeff Jarrett was coming out. I'm like, yes. Do you want to know Jeff? a fun little fact? Go ahead. There was no feud between these two heading into SummerSlam. Um, I think you find it's between country music and rap for two um, genres that white girls on Tinder say they don't enjoy. This is this had one <clears throat> week of build based on that, because to be fair, like, okay, lads, what side of the divide do we stand? What, what do you mean, rap versus like country? country or, yeah. Well, I'm clearly from the ghetto. <laughs> so what, the ghetto what, we're talking, if we're talking classic hardcore hip hop, yeah, I'm into that shit. Really? If we're talking the shit about nowadays. Fuck that. Sorry. That is a surprise, actually, guys. Hey, I we... grew up. I grew up on Ice Cube, Ice Tea, <laughs> all that shit. <laughs> the I actual drink. Because to be fair, me and Garth had like a three-minute argument before Rob turned up today about our opinions on grime. I just, I don't, I can't see Garth <laughs> with his hood up and his headphones in. Just it's gone. Give it to you. Exactly. Just rocking out to Ice Tea. Motherfuck you when you punk ass get all burned. To be fair, because of how old, despite the fact I've met Garth in person a few times, I perceive him as like my like as old as my dad. So I just I do, imagine, I do I do imagine him sitting at home listening to Kanye um Kanye Twitty on vinyl. I thought he was your dad. <laughs> Isn't I know you're my podcast dad. Um, so yeah, basically, Jarrett's <laughs> main feud daddies. going into this was with Doink the Clown. Up until, a, up until a week before this show, he was supposed to be feuding and supposed to have a match with Doink the Clown. In a shoot interview in 2011, um, Viscera, or, you know, Mabel, was asked, why, why were you put anywhere? I don't know, I just was. <laughs> there was no explanation given, but Mabel was put into that match with Jeff Jarrett. Now, presumably, it had already been ascertained that Mabel was going to be pushed. So this presumably was to get him on the card. But well, it's, been no, it's a squash. It was a squash match. You could have kept the match and then just put Mabel against Max Moon or something. This was five minutes forty-five <laughs> seconds. And here's another. Uh... Go on. Another fun fact about this match. It was shit. shite. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, here's the thing. Jeff Jarrett worked like the third hardest of everyone all night because he drank an, a less than one out of ten out of Mabel. I know, a yeah. more than one out of ten. Like, he bumped like an absolute boss. Jeff Jarrett tried. Jeff Jarrett, genuinely, this was five minutes and 45 seconds, Chris, and four minutes and 49 seconds were Jeff Jarrett on the back of Mabel in the worst <laughs> sleeper hold I've ever seen. This was not okay, a good tr- match. Being and then fair, Mabel attempted a, like a sort of spinning wheel kick. He did, yeah. You, <laughs> Came out you of nowhere. couldn't put 45 metres of rope around Mabel's neck. If Mabel tried to hang himself, he'd have to use, like, the copper wire from a plane or something that there's no manufacturer <laughs> who makes enough rope to hang around that man's neck. Okay. He's got he's a big youth, isn't he? It's he's it's a, un... he is a big man. I mean, in Men on a Mission, you look at Mo, and Mo's a big yoth. But then mm-hmm. standing next to Mabel, you're like, 
Jesus Christ, Oscar's big when he came down and rapped with him, which was cringy enough. But this was, yeah, this was, good God, this match like, was crap. Like, to be honest, I don't know how Mabel got, I know why, because he was big and Vince thought he was hip. But because I remember when Vince came out, I was like, I like everything as long as it's good. I'm like, well, you clearly haven't watched your product, mate. <laughs> but um, this match ended when Mabel missed sitting down and um, <laughs> Jeff Jarrett rolled him up for the win. I forgot to say, why the fuck did Jeff go over? I have Mabel no idea. Was... <laughs> That's this, the thing. This is like... Just make sure this, this match, this match, no, too bad. Wasn't... <laughs> Jeff did go on to become a TNA and WWE Hall of Famer, one of only three men to do so. Four men. No, but Dudley's went in. Fuck. Okay, I guess it's not that prestigious an honour, but you know. The TNA Hall of Fame is not a prestigious honour anyway. No, it's sort of like being in the Podmania Hall of Fame, except ours is more exclusive. True, we've only done one class like, so far. I'd about to say Gail Kim's never making it into ours. Oh, no. Hebner's not making it into ours, just because Garth would shout at him. <laughs> You screw Brett! <laughs> How fucking money! Earl, can I just ask a question? Why the fuck does... <laughs> Stop no, I'm, I'm, really sure, I'm really sure like, in this year's Hall of Fame, and either me or Rob suggest Shawn Michaels, um, Garth will just leave. <laughs> it's just like, what about Shawn? Garth Jackson has left the chat. <laughs> <laughs> what are we giving this match then? I gave it two. I didn't even get... I forgot to rate this match. <laughs> I give it two as well. Shocking. That's the thing. Jeff Jarrett trying makes this more than a one, but there's nothing Jeff could have done. Like realistically, Okada could have went against Mabel and done nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It, what, it was. What dreadful. help did Jeff Jarrett had? It was dreadful. Um, are you giving it two then, Chris, or are you just going with our better judgment? I'm. I'm just. Gonna, I'm just going to agree with you because, yeah. like, I, I, I genuinely forgot to rate this match. Meltzer gave it less than one star. He gave it 0.75, so it sort of gives yeah, you... Yeah, but Meltzer, Meltzer also gave Kenta versus Osprey four and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> this this got 0.75 stars and wasn't the lowest rated match on the card. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which we'll, we'll get into. So, basically, now, at this point, the WWF are stalling because unlike nowadays where the cage is suspended above the ring, they've actually got to construct that fucking thing. So now... Please. Go on. Have you guys ever been to an indie show with a cage match? Mm-mm. Um, no. I have, because ICW do cage <clears throat> matches from time to time, and it is like that. Like, they have intermission just before the cage match so they can construct it. It was just... It was obvious what they were doing. I don't have any issue with it because the blue cage is such a sexy beast. Um, you know, it's I don't I, have any I, issues. I miss it because no one can see through the current cage. <sighs> yeah, but I think that's more the fact that the squares are smaller as opposed to the colour of it. Well, why not have... To be fair, why not have... a? They have a big red hell in a cell. Have a big blue cage. Eh, suppose. Pitch it to Vince. <laughs> see what he says. Um, <laughs> gotcha. The first... <laughs> The first way they attempted to uh, sort of waste time was to have Leslie Nielsen come back out, and they were searching for The Undertaker again. Now, this bit was a bit of a pantomime thing, because we had The Undertaker's silhouette appearing in the little entranceway behind (laughs) Leslie Nielsen and Kennedy, and they were 
trying to, you know, the audience were going, he's behind you. And Leslie Nielsen was like, what? With his hand over his ear, I can't hear you. And they go, he's behind you. And then The Undertaker would disappear. And it was bullshit. So every year, my nana used to take me and my twin to um, the pantomimes in Bolton. And and the protagonists in them were less stupid. Bolton? Yep. (laughs) Why I like the different... That's where my nana lives. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, did didn't you live pick, in Edinburgh? I was about to say, didn't you pick that up from the content? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm sure that there are theatres in Edinburgh. Going to being, Bolton is a long way. Being fair, the pantomimes in Edinburgh are stupid amounts of expensive. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. If Edinburgh Fringe is anything to go by. Oh, to be fair, the Edinburgh Fringe, I don't just don't go, unless I'm seeing a show, I don't go to Edinburgh for that whole month. Because Jesus fucking... No, the only time I've went to the friend like one i went and got drunk once with my siblings that was fun and secondly um to a ring of honor show and i just didn't bother going home because the buses were full i just stayed and watched summer slam in the nightclub yeah <laughs> sounds good nice. despite this bollocks we then go and interview <laughs> all 55 members of the heart family <laughs> jesus christ they've come out in spades tonight now bearing in mind that Mama and Papa Hart have 12 kids. They apparently are all there tonight. Because we've got Jerry the King, who seemingly, continuing from Survivor Series 1993, where he hates them, is still hating on them, shouting at them, saying it's their fault that Owen has turned and, you know, they should be ashamed of themselves and Helen looks like she couldn't give a fuck. And then we move to uh, British Bulldog. (laughs) We move to Bulldog and his girlfriend, and his wife, sorry, Diana Hart, and he's like, yeah, I want, I want, I want, uh, I want Brett to win. You know, Brett's in the best physical condition I've ever seen him in, and I think he should... Because he's Wade Barrett, apparently. So then... It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable, Jeff. And then you look at fucking Bulldog, and he's sitting there in a fucking brown vest and massive curly hair with glasses on. Absolutely <laughs> Guys, shredded I, to pieces. I just made though. a football reference. Are you proud of me? I am, actually. Well done. Can you say who says that? <laughs> yeah, um, no, because it was, it was a pro- name of a progress show, and that's why I know it. Oh, such a fucking Very quickly, mark. I don't like football, okay? Um, although Stu Hart, he's a miserable cunt, isn't he? <laughs> he's owed, isn't he? He looks owed no, in this. Yeah, no, exactly. And it's sort of like, I feel sorry for Mrs. Hart because, like, he must be a selfish lover. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have no comeback for that. At all, <laughs> no, because we but we all know he's a selfish lover. However, right, she has not had an orgasm in fifty-five years. Right, just quickly, fucking... Garth, how the fuck can you have a however after that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to move the, move it away. Oh, quick, okay, so um, Bruce Hart, he's a cunt, isn't he? <laughs> You're just going to go around all the Hart family now. <laughs> no, that's the thing. I like. I don't know the re- name of the rest of them, but um. Bulldog is a nice... Well, he's not nice, you know, but, you know, he's not as bad as Dynamite who put a gun to his wife's head. God, wrestling was awful in the 90s. But also, um, seriously, Bruce Hart just milked every second out of every bit of camera time. He yeah, got. He, he's he's blatantly the one who's like, it should be me. Yeah, no, um, do you, have you guys ever seen Rebel Wilson on a chat show? Yes. It's like that, where, she, like, she just... He just tried to take the attention away from the people who deserve the attention. And I sort of like, you're Bruce fucking 
like you're below Teddy in the Hart family hierarchy. All right, at least Teddy did some flips off a cage. What the fuck have you ever done, you <laughs> fucking conceited prick? At least Stu Hart, the mi- most miserable cunt in the world, who hasn't given, who's never given his wife an orgasm. <laughs> at least he gave birth to Brett and Owen. What the fuck did you do? <laughs> wow. Someone who shares that anger is apparently Jim Neidhart, who also hates Bruce, who turns around and gives him the most boring tirade of... He, there's no, there's nothing there, is there? There's no charisma there with Bruce. He turns That's around, why uh, Neidhart just like looks at him and he's just like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is like I've heard stories about Bruce, but like other than WrestleMania 26, where he was just told to not even bother. This is the first time I've seen him act- actually outside of like a review or something, and like yeah, he's my least... I, I'm, I'm never going to say Bret Hart has no charisma again after seeing Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. There are several like, points in this where it's just like, holy shit, what the fuck is this? The thing with also, Bruce is as well, he was... Um, <clears throat> at one point, he was like sort of booking or sort of agent for um, the Calgary sort of stampede stuff. And, and then the Canadian over. scene died. And he kept putting himself over all the time. You know why you hear nothing about the Canadian scene? Because Bruce Hart could be the cunt. <laughs> um, irrelevant of Chris's hatred of the Hart family, clearly. This was the biggest storyline going into SummerSlam this year that began uh, 1993 Survivor Series. Owen was eliminated from the Hart Brothers versus Shawn Michael and his Knights elimination match. Um, he blamed Brett for that. He was the only one eliminated... The Hearts won out, and basically he blamed Brett. Came down, abused him, and there seemed to be the the seeds of deceit there. Um, deceit? Sorry, dissension in the ranks. So, anyway, Owen then seemingly forgives Brett. They form a tag team and go after the tag team titles after uh, at the Royal Rumble 1994. Brett gets injured, and that causes them to lose the opportunity, and Owen snaps. Owen kicks out at Brett's injured leg, attacks him, and says, it's all your fault, it should be me. Everyone praises you, why the fuck are they praising you? Basically what Bruce Hart is in real life. Exactly. During the interim, <laughs> then, Brett wins the title. Now... After this, we have the King of the Ring match. And (laughs) Owen wins because of Jim Neidhart interference. Now, as Brett is defending his championship, Jim Neidhart then makes sure that Brett retains. And people are a bit unsure as to why Jim's done this. And it becomes very, very clear once Owen becomes the King of Hearts. Best gimmick name ever. So good. He comes out and basically says, I wanted to make sure Brett still had the championship so that when Owen beat him at SummerSlam, you know, he'd get the championship. And it becomes very, very clear that Jim Neidhart has sided with Owen. This leads to this match. Now, (sighs) Brett has never been the best on the microphone. He'd improve in like 1997, cutting the heel promos with the Heart Foundation. But at this point... That's because point, he was just having a moan. That's just Brett. Yeah. At this point, he still isn't the best on the microphone. But because of the storyline and because the family feuding and because the WWF had built this, you know, over a number of months, it felt real. And Brett was able to, you know, evoke some emotion in his promo. Ted, do you know it doesn't evoke emotion? Todd fucking Pettengill. <laughs> fucking ulcer on the WWF's arse. 
ever announce an announcer you hate more than Todd Pettigrew? He's just the most annoying person in the world. He's, he's not as bad as he's not as bad as fucking Michael Cole was back in the nineties when he was like frosted tips, back streets, back all right, Michael Cole going to Stone Cold. <laughs> Are you ready to go to hell? Right, I raise you this. He started this promo by saying, "Brett, you're suffering with strep throat. Do you think? <laughs> do you think that will affect your performance tonight? Do, do you think his throat is sore because to get a good title run and thirty minutes on a card where it got no, when no one got over ten, he had to really go in there on Vince's penis? Now that was a HBK's job. Wee. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brett responds to Todd by saying. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up. What? Who? He just... Uh, he's the most frustrating man in the world because he effectively has a job where he's asking wrestlers how are you feeling before this match? That's all he's got to do. Why the fuck bring strap throat into it? It's not part of the angle, you fucking moron. At no other point is it mentioned, you fucking bellend. Being fair, it's mentioned a lot by Jerry Lawler throughout the whole fucking match. It's not an angle, though. No, it's but not, that's the thing. It's not like Owen is targeting his throat. No, but here's the thing. The WWE announce team has never, ever, ever, ever actually been good other than a few calls by JR. So. Just wank. Utter wank. Anyway, we eventually... Yeah. They... Which, according to Rob, you can do three times in an hour. You... Oh, easily. Ten no, minutes, in mate. ten minutes. Easy. <laughs> easy, mate. Quite easily whack one out. I've done three while I've been doing the podcast. Um... So we get the actual cage erected. See what I did there? See what I did there? See what I did there? Um, And we get the match. This match is outstanding. Now, Chris, you were a little bit worried because me and Garth had spoken up about it and basically bigged it up. What did you think about it? Well, okay, if it was just Brett, but like WrestleMania 10, I've seen that match, and that's outstanding as well. My issue is I don't like cage matches for blood feuds because the whole object is to escape. But then again, Brett doesn't hate Owen, so it makes more sense. And also, Owen isn't the type of person to want to beat the shit out of someone. He just wants to get that shiny, shiny. So it made, like, in this one very, very, very particular case, the cage could make sense. And I really, really did enjoy this. It felt like an actual fight with the win condition being escaping rather than... Um, nowadays where it's just sort of like, oh, we're going to have a normal match and then at some point we're going to do some stupid high spot on the like, cage. Nowadays it's like, I could easily escape here, but I'm going to go and kill myself. Yeah, because I'm slightly burned out on cage matches at this point because of how many WWE have had this year and how many times I've been forced to watch a WWE pay-per-view that we never reviewed, thanks Rob. <laughs> but, yeah, because when you think about it, we had Money in the Bank between Shane and Miz. And then, for some reason, at the next pay-per-view, fucking whatever it was called, the stupid names, Jumping Grounds, we had one between Miz and Ziggler, and then we've had, like, two in NXT. So, like, I'm just sort of burned out in cage matches, but, like, this is sort of the gold standard of cage matches. I think this is as good as a cage match could possibly be. In my opinion, maybe a bit longer than the tish. Just a tad. Like, there's only so many times you can pull someone down from a cage and keep my interest. But, like, to, for how good this match was, I did forget to take notes. So it was still a really good match. Like, they weren't worked around the limitations the cage gave them as much as they could, but at the same time, the cage was still a tad, a tiny bit of a limitation. But, yeah. like, nothing felt contrived. 
in this match. I don't agree with it being as perfect as like Meltzer gives it, giving it a five out of five, uh, five stars, but I still think it's a great cage match. Garth? Yeah. <clears throat> I loved it. Um, before I get the match, though, I just... I love the build that the... Because the, they didn't have any sort of real sort of video packages or promos for any of the other matches. But this one, they seemed to really take some time and tell the story and stuff. And it was really well done, I thought. And at one point, it was like genuinely like, so, like getting like emotional over the fact that Owen Hart's dead. Like, seriously, though, it was like watching it, I was like, fucking hell, man, I wish he was still around. Like, to imagine where he could have got to. But anyway, um, just loved it. I just, I like the fact that it was like, Brett reluctantly took this match. So you thought, well, he's going to try and win the match, but defend himself rather than attack. But then they just went fucking straight at it, both of them. Yeah, but um, Owen was still, like, Owen was wrestling like he hated Brett, but Brett wasn't. Like, Brett was wrestling like he wanted to win, but Owen was, like, holding onto Brett's straps. Yeah. By the way, I've always wanted to ask this. What the fuck is up with Brett Singlet? What do you mean? Surely the singlet should go across his nipples. No, that seemed to happen quite a lot back then. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, I don't like it. I didn't like it when X-Pac did it, and I don't like it when Brett does. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like you say, Owen is fighting like a scrap, mm. whereas Brett's just sort of doing the, enough to try and keep him down so he can win. Is it just um, me, or does Owen's hair look like, look like straw? Like, he's a scarecrow. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's got product. There's <laughs> no product I look, in there. He doesn't even condition much yet. I did love, like... Dry as fuck. The, the, the commentary weren't so bad on this. I mean, th- this is one of the few times in the whole pay-per-view where the king sort of, the stuff he was saying, worked with the match where he kept saying, so like, look at hell, it's just cheering for Brett. <laughs> <laughs> like, just stupid shit like that. Um, and the bits, the bits where, like, um, Owen was sort of leaping for the door, like, leaping over Brett. <laughs> like, comedy as out, but still just really well done. Um, I just... And the, I mean, there was a couple of botches. There's a couple of times where they sort of, um, there's one where I think Owen got pulled off the cage and he hit the rope on the way down. That looked really fucking nasty. Yeah, it did. Um, but I just thought it was just, I mean, the suplex off the top was at the time fucking insane. You never ever saw stuff like that. No. Um, I just loved it. And (laughs) a bit, and I'm, was when I was watching it back, the bit where Anvil takes out Davy Boy outside, and I forgot that he fucking takes out um, what do you call her as well? Diana. Diana, like totally over the fucking barricade. To be fair, that wasn't the biggest <laughs> issue. That wasn't the biggest issue. Someone called Diana had in the nineties, but you know, um, fucking hell. But I thought it was a brilliant match. Like really, I, really enjoyed it. I I, I actually visit. You know, like in um, Batman Arkham City when Batman sh- slaps Harley Quinn and you don't know whether to gasp or laugh. <laughs> but it was kind of like that when Diana went over the barrier. Oh, I laughed. I fucking really laughed. <laughs> like apparently Bulldog was actually hot at Anvil over that because to be fair, he pushed his wife over. She probably put- like, that's she's a, not trained to do that. No, I think she clearly wasn't told that was going to happen. She just actually got pushed over. At least she, she sold it. <laughs> no, she, could, she couldn't help but sell it. She actually got pushed over. But I thought it was just 
I just really, really thought it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed the difference between the two competitors. I enjoyed the fact that Owen would literally kick Brett and then run and try and go out the cage. And then eventually, as the match, you know, dragged on, you got bigger moves to try and bet. So you got the superplex, you got the pile driver, um, you got literally throwing each other off the cage, you got Owen literally locking the sharpshooter on Brett for a day and a half. Um, what what got me with um the one that got me was when um kit um Brett kicked Owen and Owen sort of landed on the ropes. Ah, that's yeah. And I like I visibly I I audibly shouted what the fuck to the point where my twin walked in going, What happened? I'm like, it's fine. I'm watching wrestling <laughs> from the nineties. <laughs> Do you know what was really, really good as well? They weren't pausing at the cage. They got to the top. And they got climbed over, and the other one had to scramble up to get them. Rather no, than exactly. Nothing sitting at the top nice. waiting. I fucking hate that shit. Owen literally <laughs> sprinting across the ring and diving onto Brett as he tried to get through the door was yeah. amazing. No, uh, something like I enjoyed the finish of Dolph versus Kofi this year, where Dolph, where Kofi didn't wait for a second and just jumped out the cage. That sort of this whole match. Mm-hmm. That's what often takes you out of these matches, though, isn't it? Pausing for an hour mm-hmm. and a half at the top while you waited for the other person to get out, but. This match didn't have this. It felt like genuinely the whole aim was to get out of the cage. It wasn't to wrestle like, and then get out. It was just to get out. It, no, exactly. It's like the polar opposite to the Punjabi prison match at No Mercy 2007. Oh, God, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, Brett manages to get out first, retain his title, whilst Owen is stuck with his legs trapped between the cage's bars. Night art then performs the aforementioned attack on Davy Boy Smith. I've heard something different here. I've heard that Davy Boy and his wife decided to take that bump, but hadn't told Jim, Owen, or Brett. And apparently Owen and Brett were really hot about it. That's, That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. To be heard. fair, it wasn't his fucking shit. What I loved is like, um, when we all, everyone tried to jump over. Like yeah. I, I kept thinking of like memes. <laughs> <laughs> like Just like think like when you're blank, like... When your boyfriend's dad finds out you're in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Well, basically, um, Jim then attacks Brett, rolls him back into the cage, padlocks the cage, which I thought was quite good, and him and Owen... No, but the thing is, Anvil clearly... Like, clearly they cut away from Anvil because the other hats have to help him lock the fucking door. Yeah, (laughs) he struggled with it. He padlocked it, but he struggled with it. Eventually, baby boy manages to get over. It was like watching Bambi learn how to walk. Yeah, it was. It was. It was unconventional. But anyway, eventually, Davy Boy chases Owen and Neidhart off. They go backstage. Todd Pengill, the fucking prick that he is, tried to get an interview with them as they ran away. Why? <laughs> I've got no fucking idea, you bellin. Fuck off and leave people alone. To be fair, why did they stop? Well, they stopped out of range of the microphone. So <laughs> they're saying things, Owen with his arms outstretched, looking very, very annoyed, and nothing's been picked up by the microphone. Don't we own a boom mic at this point? Probably. The not. best part, the best bit where Owen says, uh, "Come on, uh, Anvil, let's go and celebrate my victory." <laughs> <laughs> no, what I loved is like Anvil clearly wasn't meant to cut a promo, but he did anyway because because now Anvil fucking mint. No, that's thing. That's thing. All the hearts um, will be except Brett seems to be, despite being the most successful heart, is the only heart who want milk for camera time. Yeah. True. True. Like Brett and Owen, the two actual good hearts won't milk for ca- more camera time than we have to, but all the other hearts are like, hey, bitch, it's me. Yeah. I'm a heart. <laughs> what are we giving this match then? Um, I've got nine. nine. I've got nine as well. Three nines, get in. Guys! 
<laughs> Look at He's that. Not, I, was, I'm, I was really scared Garth was going to shout at me for giving it a nine. No, it's not as good as the WrestleMania 10 match. No, I definitely agree with that. And it's not as good as any of the matches he had with Brett. No. Bait. Bait. Massive bait. <laughs> anyway, before, before he gets very, very annoyed, the main event comes up next. And good fucking grief. So basically... The Undertaker has disappeared. He lost a casket match to Yokozuna at the 1994 Royal Rumble, was put in a coffin and disappeared. Basically said he no, will he, not rest he in ascended. peace. He did. There was some cool lightning effect on the Titan Tron, which for the time was pretty that, cool. No, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. This is this is like what the rest of the shit wrestling on the card was missing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, in reality, he hadn't disappeared. Obviously, he was given time to allow a back injury to heal. Um, we then started seeing vignettes of people who'd seen The Undertaker, including Ugh. a child who'd seen him on the slide at her local school. Massive, we, massive safeguarding concerns fair, at that I point. do believe, I do believe there was someone with long, greasy hair and a long coat on the slide in a school. Possibly. That's, that's, a very believable, <laughs> that's a very believable story. Um even though, and this is pivotal to this, the whole point of this was that The Undertaker had not wrestled or had not been seen since the Royal Rumble 1994, despite the fact that The Undertaker had actually wrestled, taking place, taking part in a tour in May of Japan, Guam and Hawaii, even winning an 18-man battle royal in Osaka. <laughs> He'd wrestled Yokozuna, Bam Bam Bigelow, and Adam Bomb on that tour. It's not like he wasn't around. So, what the fuck was the point? Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I like the thought that there might be people in Japan watching it, going, "What the fuck? No." Basically, <laughs> t- like for p- people in Japan, it, it killed Kayfe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? Um, Ted DiBiase then came forward and said, "I know where the Undertaker is. I can get him to come back." He bought back what can only be described as fake Undertaker or fakel Taker, whoever knows. Um, <laughs> you versus the guy she tells you not to worry about. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, he begins to run through jobbers powered by the money that Ted DiBiase is giving him. Paul Bearer then comes forward and says, that's not my Undertaker. Um, there's a segment in the Heartbreak Hotel where um, the Undertaker chokes out Paul Bearer and the lights go all weird and Paul Bearer... Ch- shouting in that really really high pitched voice my undertaker is here <laughs> which is hilarious so Being fair, normally when you hear a high pitched voice in the ho- in a hotel you can't make out what this yeah exactly we <laughs> normally it's to us in blackpool we what hey. happened in blackpool stays in blackpool um <laughs> so basically this leads to this SummerSlam match between undertaker and fakel taker and oh Oh, the Charlie Undertaker is a better name. Do you want Underfaker rather than Fakel Taker? Underfaker, Underfaker is much a much better name. I'm gonna call him Fakel Taker now, just to piss you off. Well, tell you what, let's ask Garth. Garth, what's the better name? What? Between Undertaker and what did you say? Some shit name? Well, you said Undertaker for a start, you moron. I, I said I said Underfaker. No, you didn't. You said Undertaker. I definitely said Underfaker. Garth. Mm. <laughs> Undertaker. <laughs> Such a fucking cop out. Anyway, Garth, no, Garth is clearly not been listening. <laughs> he hasn't at all. Um, 
Oh god, this match, this fucking match. So oh, the match was awful, but everything around it was amazing. So we got obviously two full Undertaker entrances, which lasted about twenty-five minutes, which was brilliant. DBS's Undertaker came forward first, full Undertaker gear. Um, then Bearer appeared with a casket <laughs> that was pushed to the ringside by Druids. We all thought, oh shit. So good. Undertaker's going to be in there. With a picture of the Undertaker's face on it. On it, saying, rest in peace. We assumed... <laughs> Imagine if you had your own face on your car. That's basically what's happened. Exactly. So we all thought, oh, the Undertaker's going to be in it. No. We then got him, uh, Paul Barrett, going into the urn, and what can only be described as Blackpool Illuminations fucking happened. We've then got this <laughs> no, Blackpool weird... Illuminations better than that shit. Honestly, we had one ray of light escaping this. The lights went down, so it was literally just this... One little searchlight. Eventually, The Undertaker's theme hit, and Paul Bearer, who'd gone to the back now to bring out proper Undertaker, came out, and we could finally start this bullshit. Maybe Sean, maybe real, in real life, Undertaker just turned up like five minutes late, and we had to stall. It did feel like stalling, because that bit with the urn lasted a lifetime. It was so... Oh my god! To be oh fair, it lasted god. so long. It took me. It was long enough for me to take out my phone and video it for you guys while I was still laughing. Exactly. Exactly. It was just. It was ridiculous. The match started so massive, enormous, astronomical pop for the Undertaker. That's very, very important to note. The well, Undertaker. How would Finkel giving away is for real? And so they going, "Welcome back for one." The only... It's like, well, there goes any mystery in this story. Well, to be fair, it wasn't a mystery because one was wearing purple, one was wearing grey. Has The Undertaker worn grey? I feel like The Undertaker's worn grey before. Yeah, he has, but after he'd said the one, the only Undertaker, the one in purple came out, which sort of gave it away. As long... Being fair, when Alexa Bliss came out in SummerSlam, this is Buzz Lightyear, we didn't think, oh, fuck, Buzz Lightyear's debuts. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> um, this... Anna Kamara did it better in Star <laughs> Oh fucking you and you're such a smart. Shut up. <laughs> um, you're oh, such a smart. Everything's better in Stardom. Pod. Everything's better Everything... on the Indies. Everything is better in Stardom. <laughs> anyway, Not the men's wrestling. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's the best joke or podcast. You say that every podcast when Garth says something funny. Because Garth's the funniest one. He is, by by an absolute mile. By an absolute mile. In trouble then. <laughs> oh, God, for the reason we only have 30 listeners. Oh, God. Thank you for so much for putting up with this podcast. Um, <laughs> so it's selling it really well. The Undertaker gets this massive pop when he comes out. Enormous, like I've said. The rest of this match is wrestled in absolute silence. Yeah. The fucking crowd just don't. Oh my god. Yeah. It was like a morgue. <laughs> but, and that's the thing, we, we've actually said before in, in this group chat, the crowd were hot for most of this show. They were really, really into it. And up until the Undertaker, <laughs> you know, Undertaker and Fakel Taker's entrances, they were still hot and into it. But, the match was, it was silent. There was nothing. You could hear Absolutely everything. And I It's you, ironically killed the crowd. It did. I mean, we all know that it's primetime Brian Lee as Fakel Taker. But you could see it was physically like, you know, you'd have bits where he'd put his hand on the un, the real Undertaker's throat and, you know, look to choke him out. No reaction from the crowd. 
there's a one point where Fakel Taker does the sit-up spot. No reaction from the crowd. No, no reaction to DiBiase's Undertaker doing the choke slam or the Tombstone Pile Driver. I mean, nothing at all. Even when there's this, the, I think I think the only time where there's a bit of a ooh was when the Fake Taker got up to do old school. Yeah, and no. Undertaker like dragged him off. That's right, because Undertaker sort of has a history of returning in the main event, and everyone being excited to see him, and then him just killing it because he's against someone who can't work. Well, because the Undertaker really, he's more of a sort of attraction than a great wrestler. No, I think because um, I remember Unforgiven 2007, Undertaker had lost words, and I was, and like Edge was my favorite wrestler at the time of Rey Mysterio, so I was happy about it. But there was these murmurings when Mark Henry started coming out, and it's like, ooh, Undertaker might come back and murder Mark Henry. And then that's what the entirety of Unforgiven 2007 was based around. Which, to be fair, the undercard was WWE Championship, um, Cena versus Orton, and then Carly versus Mysterio and Batista. So it's not like he had a lot to contend with from that night, as opposed to Brett versus Owen. <laughs> but like he came back, and I was like, ooh, yes, Undertaker. And then the whole match just bored me. And I was 10 years old and thought wrestling was still real. So... It was shit, wasn't it? This match was yeah. shit. <laughs> I mean, it, the fact they has to give him three tombstones, just... Ugh. Yeah. To be fair, one of, it, it, why didn't he end up on the jumping one? Why did he do a jumping one and then a normal one? He did the jumping one first, didn't he? Yeah, no, exactly. Why did he do that one first? I don't know. It just... It was... It was so bizarre. Anyway, proper Undertaker won... Um, With you, the slowest count I've ever seen. It in was. Life. It was though the. It was as though the, the referee had taken this enormous bump and he hadn't like at all. Um, it was just. Well, like, he wasn't sure whether he was supposed to be counting. <laughs> yeah. Like, which, which one, which one is, this? is it? <laughs> the referee's colorblind. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick question. What was worse, this or Kane versus Fake Kane? Um, I would argue this. I'd argue this was the worst match, but the build for Kane versus Fake Kane was, was um, Fake Kane played by uh, Gallows, yeah. Kev- Kevin Nash just to return the favour. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a really well constructed joke. Thanks. That's like the most well constructed joke. Like it's not funnier than half the shit you come out with, but it's like better constructed than half the shit we come out with. God, <laughs> like, God do you ever actual... get offended that Chris is surprised by your ability to be funny? <laughs> I just I just keep that shit under lock. <laughs> I'll only bring it out when necessary. It's like otherwise people will expect me to be charming all the time. Exactly. Ain't nobody got time for that. Um No, what annoys me is that Garth is my friend um my friend Jen's favourite and I'm like, I'm your best friend. She's like, Yeah, but I talk to you more than I talk and I don't talk to Garth, so I find him more charming. Garth's my keep favorite. Sh- keep keeping the shit real. Hang on, Garth's your favourite. This explains so much. <laughs> like what? Like, like cock, cock block, I'm on the draft today. <laughs> <laughs> Being fair, I was a dick to Garth earlier in the draft. <laughs> like, I literally just picked the Heart Foundation to spite him. It's all right, he was a dick to both of us by choosing Adam Cole first. I know, right? Fucking, you guys pick, I get NXT and then you and I pick Cole and Gargana. 
<laughs> no one knows what we're actually talking about. We'll later. talk about that later. Basically, at the end of this match, and we're not skating over this match, this is how shit it was. Some people came dressed as druids, came to ringside, put DBS's Undertaker in the casket, and wheeled it backstage. That is where the pay-per-view should have finished. But no, 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 no. We then have to cut <laughs> the to... The post-credit sequence. Oh, exactly. We had full Marvel sequence. We had the commentary team... Then going, oh, but that's not it. Let's cut to Randy Savage. The only point <laughs> for them to cut to Randy Savage was for Randy Savage to go, oh, that's not it. Let's cut backstage. That was it. Th- there was nothing Question, else for Randy Savage to say. Are these two old men dead now? Uh, I know Leslie Nielsen is. I don't actually know who the other one is. No, not good. good. He's no, not good. He was he was amazing in airplay. This is this is the only one of him I've ever seen. So I'm gonna say, oh wait, is he the guy who went? Oh, that's raw sewage. I love it. Uh, I don't know. I, I love it. No, no. <laughs> it sounds... He's the one that keeps saying. Uh, he's the one who said, uh, "You can't mean that, surely." I am. I do. No, you can't be serious, surely. I am serious. And stop calling me Shirley. He's <laughs> that guy. Okay. Okay. He's that guy. Okay. I've heard that before. Exactly. So take it back. He's a lovely man. Everyone loves Leslie Nielsen. But we cut backstage okay. to this man. His WWF character can die. That's fine. And the entire point of this was for the two men, Leslie Nielsen and whatever his name is, Kennedy, to go backstage to... <laughs> Kennedy. Kennedy. To go backstage, lift up the casket lid and go, he's not in here. They then find a case which is closed. And guess what that means, guys? The case is closed. That's a bag of brush joke. Boom, boom. You know, you know what's worse? It means they weren't watching the show. Yeah, it does. It does mean that the case was closed ages ago. Undertaker appeared. Now, if you believe <laughs> there was actually supposed to be a weirder ending to this show, believe it or not, during the show, the lights were supposed to go down and come back up and Undertaker was supposed to be there on his own as though he'd absorbed DBRC's Undertaker into his being due to this spooky hocus-pocus when bullshit. When you say on his own, what I think should have happened, we do that, it comes back, and it cuts to earlier in the day when the arena's empty. And it's on TV, it just looks like he absorbed the whole arena. <laughs> <laughs> just, what a fucking weird ending. It was marketed as the main event as well, which is even worse. It's so weird, So because it's sort of like, why would you put this 10-minute novelty match on after the 30-minute epic. It, it doesn't make sense. It makes no booking you know, sense. Like, it's like if you watch Avengers Infinity War and then watch the, like, the 25th part of a LEGO, LEGO Avengers Let's Play directly afterwards. I mean, it's... I mean... <laughs> I mean, it's... it's anyway... Um... <laughs> I like he just... That's... That's the thing you don't know how to react oh, to. Earlier just... in the show, I said that um, Mama Hart has never had an orgasm in her life, and that's the thing that stumps you. Eh, she probably hasn't. Um... She probably hasn't. Have you seen Stu Hart? Very selfish lover. <laughs> what did we give this match, guys? <laughs> like, honest, honestly. Uh... For the pageant, Ian, for the bits and bobs, I've just gone five. What? It's like, it was just average. Because I loved all the, the in, like the build up, I thought the build up was the best part actually. Um, then I loved all the bit with the the urn with the light and all that shit. The match was pretty sort of inconsequential, really. You can have an amazing build up and have um, the climax be shit. Look at 
sex. Blackpool. <laughs> I, I just thought it was overall average. Like, the match was pretty shit, but the rest of it was pretty good. I didn't think, like, if I rate this, like, the one thing I've given a five in this whole show was um, that, I forget, Jesus, but, like, this was easily, not even, like, in the top three matches on a shit show. Garth, you are my yes? favourite, mate, by a mile. <laughs> uh, and that's including me in that. You're easily my favourite. And Thanks, Rob. It's all right. I hate myself as well, so don't worry. <laughs> you are wrong. You're just you are so wrong. wrong. <laughs> this was, at like... best, a one-star match. I mean... One? Yes. Okay, okay. I think the truth lies somewhere in the middle, <laughs> Rob. I think you're... I think because of how good the build was, you sort of... Well, I did like... Because like, there was comedic value in this match, which gives it at least a three for me. Yeah, but it wasn't supposed to be comedic. That's the thing. It wasn't <laughs> supposed to be comedic, but like neither is sex, but somehow... People still laugh at me. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rob. Well, I just... I, I don't understand. Honest, just I'll just go with anything, because it was... <laughs> To be honest, like any, this match could be anything from a. You know how sometimes, like especially in the G one, I was like, this could be anything from a four to a seven, and I'll agree with you. Like with this, this could be anything from a one to a ten, and for various reasons, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll agree with you. But like, no, this is definitely a below average match because sure, they did their moves fine, but we did them at the pace of erosion. So like, I've had, I've literally had more fun. Um, watching my nieces paint me a f- picture I know is going to be shit, but I know I'm having to prepare something in my head to make it sound like I don't think it's shit because they're five and a pony, you know, I'm not to criticise five-year-olds. But... I can't Three. believe... And... I can't believe the one thing that's made this a five-star match for Garth is the torch in the urn. <laughs> I like that bit. I like that. Garth says New... Like, New Japan has a lot of pageantry and he can criticise it for having no pageantry, but, like, a torch in an urn. That's what <laughs> not just that. I mean, like the, the stream, stream, streamers for flowers that can be given out, like for massive celebrations, a post-match speech. But you have to make no, that's not pageantry. Torches. That's what pageantry. Like Gas' favorite moments of Doctor Who is when he brings out the sonic screwdriver because a little blinky light, and that's just Gas' favorite thing, apparently. <laughs> right. I don't watch Doctor Who. So no. Yeah, yeah. But no, it's be- <laughs> coming, from, coming from you. <laughs> I knew. Oh Doctor gosh, Who's we... like my. I just reel you in. Doctor Who's like my favourite thing, though. So. Oh god, I will grant you Garth. What do you mean? Oh god, it's shit. It's not shit. Fuck it. I will grant you Garth. <laughs> wow. That the um oh, that the build up was far better than it should have been. That does not make this a good match. And... <laughs> That does not make this memorable in any way whatsoever. I mean, the fact that the WWF or WWE did not learn and then did this exact same fucking storyline with the with the fake Kane is just mind-boggling that they thought that would work. Gaff, you know what was also really was built up for years and years and years and years? Boris Johnson. And now look at us. Ooh, <sighs> yeah, but he's, you know. A twat. Yes. To be fair, we never thought that was going to be good. Right, so Garth's given it a five for some reason. Chris, you've given it a three. I've given yeah. it a one, which I think makes three the average. I cannot believe that we've said this was better than... Uh, what was match four? Um, Mabel versus Jarrett. It was better than that. 
It was it yeah. was it better than Luger versus Tatanka? Oh yeah. All like right. I was I, I at least got some joy out of this. Alright. Okay. Um I'm not arguing with that. It was a shit it's, match, it's, we're giving it a it's shit still mark. Not a good, like it it's still got an F. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, this show was bizarre. It, it was, this is the definition of a one-match guy. <laughs> without a shadow of a doubt. If you take nothing from this podcast, and trust me, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Other than apparently Rob is extremely sexually insecure. Well, yeah, I laugh at my own sexual frustrations. Um, <laughs> the one thing that I actively encourage you to do is to go and watch the cage match, which I'm sure most of you as wrestling fans have already done. Look, if you're listening to a review of SummerSlam 94... From the most obscure of obscure wrestling podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> true. I mean, like, we're podcasts that Paul Dempsey is big time. Oh, God, big time Paul Dempsey. <laughs> we're going to have to review a show with Paul Dempsey on it at some point, just for the jokes. What, that one show? Um, <laughs> <laughs> just an ICW show he appeared on. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to sum this up. Don't watch this show. Find that no. match find that match don't watch this show this show is utter bullshit so i think that's enough of that um <laughs> good god it's been a slog to get through that podcast uh, not podcast sorry that show it's been well, a- to be fair, I, th- I think this is a really good podcast the show was shit <laughs> yeah it's been fun now ladies and gentlemen obviously the next week we'll be doing our top 10 now next week's top 10 is a top 10 wrestling games apart from no mercy there's always a little tagline well, no, it's apart from the Aki games. We should be more specific. Well, yeah. Um, there's but, always a little tagline. Because, like, like, if we put the No Mercy, like, I think we're all right in saying none of us put, would put out number one, so we'd have Mark going, oh, where the fuck's No Mercy? Yeah. I mean, it's because it's undeniably they are good games, but we can make a list without them. We don't need <laughs> we're, we're a strong, independent podcast. <clears throat> we don't need yeah. no, but No Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, that's that's our next podcast. But after that, the week after, we're back to a retro review. Our options will be on Twitter and Facebook. We've all selected one, and the theme was early noughties. Now we've all gone, I believe. No, we haven't. We haven't all gone for different promotions, but we've all gone for a different year group. Now, Chris, what have you gone for? What's your option? Um, no Mercy 2002. I wanted to go Survivor Series, but then I realised we're going to definitely have a Survivor Series poll next, nearer to the time. So it's like, there's no better time to pick. No Mercy. Okay. I, I have weird nostalgia for this show, despite it having Tori Wilson and Don Marie Angles on it. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> Garth, which one have you picked? Uh, one Night Stand. Garth's favourite activity. 2005. Nice. Garth's favourite. Nice. And I've chosen No Way Out 2001 with that incredible three stage of hell match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H as the main event. So. Would I don't you... know, it wasn't the main event there. It was the Rock versus Angle was the main event of that one. Was it? I thought that yeah. Austin and... No, it was it was like in WrestleMania thing where in, like, in the fans' hearts is the main event, but in reality it's halfway through the show. It's the main event. It's the match we're all watching it for. Let's, well, let's yeah. put it that way. Um, but anyway, we're going to watch that, or we're going to... Whichever one we watch, we will review for you. Thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. You can find us on Twitter at Podmania. You can find us on Facebook at, at Podmania Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Real Podmania. Same with the Instagram. You can talk to me on Twitter at, at RealRobGoodwin. Garth, where can they find you? At Gothamania. Chris? 
at CandyChris97. When are you going to change that? I don't post on Twitter enough to change it, to be bothered. I changed it the first time because for the purposes of the end of this podcast, I kept forgetting it. And I remember Candy Chris 97 and like, quite frankly, my my friend, my friend Janet liked it. So like, she's the only person who likes anything I ever do, but you know. That's the saddest end to a podcast we've (laughs) ever had. (laughs) Good God. (laughs) Well, on that bombshell, uh, oh, I feel bad for Chris now. I mean, not bad enough to take back what I said about his Twitter name. His Twitter name is dog shit, but we I love mean, you, Chris. Like, I mean, like, yeah, but you don't support me in my Twitter name. <laughs> That's the only thing. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania, Facebook at Podmania Podcasts, and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website, podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Wrestling fans.